0: Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady, and I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. Lou is the president of All Metals and Forge Group, a manufacturer of open-die forgings and seamless rolled rings for the industry that does heavy machine building and oil, gas, aerospace, defense, some really cool stuff. So if you're looking for one of those, check out steelforge.com. And today we're going to be talking about automated guided vehicles, which I'm sure that they use somewhere, Lou, in some warehouse that moves the forging from point A to point B, because those are big, heavy rascals. Uh, and uh, John Hayes is joining us from Valio And we look forward to this conversation, John. They're fascinating, but they also solve a problem that you pointed out. What are we doing to put a person on a forklift Maybe we don't need a person on a forklift. John?
1: Well, I think that you're always going to need a person on a forklift at some point in time, um, simply because, at least at this time, um, AI hasn't gone far enough to, to fix every issue with respect to um, what a cognitive person can do. We're getting there. But I think that the, the real rub is... Not that we don't need them. It's that we need them badly. We need people on forklifts badly, and we can't get them. Industry just can't find people to ride, drive forklifts any longer, and we're seeing more and more um, uh, drive to automate certain portions of the facilities, and they're quite simple jobs, just driving back and forth. And it's become less than black magic. It used to be black magic to see things moving around without people on them. And today it's, it's fairly commonplace. And everywhere I go, people are not really talking so much about ROI. It's talking about how do we not get in this situation again? And I think we know what this situation is coming out of COVID. The economy is or manufacturing is starting to roar back. Um, distribution is as well uh, due to several factors. And when you can't find labor to move product around, it's a real problem, and we see it every day. And it's it's definitely changing. The world's changing quickly, uh, especially with automation. Well, taking into
2: consideration that manufacturing in this country, uh, not too many decades ago, had forty million employees and they're now at 12 million employees mm-hmm. and within 10 years we're going to be short 3 million employees um so ai has to uh, uh, develop and uh because we need people now there's another i have a lou weiss joe biden type plan all right let's all, hear it. it's called immigration Okay. It's, it's very reminiscent to 1900. Bring immigrants in, train them, because if we didn't do it in 1900, we wouldn't be where we are today. So the trick is, you're going to train the people, they're going to speak our language, train them instead of all the nonsense that's going on politically with regards to the immigration system. So between immigration and AI and so on, the problem solved.
1: (laughs) One would hope, one would hope. I think that the, um, you know, the concept of automation in small pieces, and that's really what we're seeing today. Historically, it was trying to, and, and I think mostly because of the technology and the cost of the technology, it was, it, it was centered around much larger systems because you had to buy a large system. And the companies that were buying these systems were Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. So the companies who could afford to buy them. Um, but the tech is driving the cost down and the ability to install kind of smaller systems, which would allow just smaller portions of your um, operation to be automated. And so most of those... Functions are functions that people don't like to do anyway. Um, so repetitive operations, just driving back and forth all day long. Some of the warehouses that we work in are, you know, upwards of a million, sometimes two million square feet. Um, so there's a there's historically it hasn't been a warm fuzzy story, but now that there is a gap in labor. It's becoming a situation where it's not just achievable to get some ROI, but it's also achievable to kind of fill the really simplistic um, operations in your plant with automation at a lower cost, which is nice. But you can move those folks, the people who, who were traditionally doing these jobs, into what, would, what we would consider more value-added jobs. So even if you did bring folks in, you could bring them into a role that I think they would be a lot happier with. Rather than a repetitive, mind-numbing job day in and day out, and and frankly, you can see it sometimes in these facilities. People just zone out. They just do their job like worker bees all day long. And I think there's there's a there's a positive side to some of this AI and some of this automation that's going on today. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a labor shortage, and there's got to be something that we can do about it. I think that we're we're helping in some small way. You know the forklift market is huge so i would say probably maybe one percent of the forklifts in the world are automated if that so that number's going to grow so john what's the
0: difference as director of sales for value between agv and amr
1: well most people think it's form factor um, but that line has been blurred quite a bit recently. So form factor being the size of the vehicle. Most people think AMR is uh, a goods to person solution. Think, if you're, if you're um, the folks that are watching this, think of Amazon. Amazon purchased this company years ago called Kiva, which was a goods to person kind of AMR solution. But even that wasn't a true AMR. They're thought of that as because of their form factor. This, they carry bins from place to place. So small, um, almost intrinsically safe vehicles, they weigh very little. So if they bang into you, you just kick them out of your way. But the, the line has blurred, um, moving upwards to the AGV kind of area of forklifts and pallet jacks and tuggers. So the answer to your question, rather than telling you how to build a wristwatch is... AGVs do something with respect to guidance and control called path following. So the earliest AGVs followed a line in the floor, a wire. Then they transitioned into a non-floor-based system, which was laser, but still followed that same paradigm of a line in the floor. It, It doesn't actually follow one, but the paradigm is the same. So they follow something. AMRs, on the other hand, do something called path planning, which means that you don't really tell them exactly where to go. They sort of figure it out. And so that's the primary difference. Even though they're, they're, most people think of it as a form factor, there are companies now that provide um, AMRs that have um, the capability to pick loads, pallets, and those sorts of things. But in a nutshell, it's path-following, AGV, path-planning, AMR, and the, the real benefit of path Planning is that it can drive around things versus stopping when something is in the line. So that, that's the primary difference between the two.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. Now, <laughs> you mentioned that you know, a forklift operation mm-hmm. is a fairly simple function. I, I would agree done correctly. However, it's a, also a somewhat dangerous occupation Because you can pick up a pallet of something, and maybe the pallet breaks and the load shifts, and if that load is two tons, that's a serious problem. How are the how are the automated vehicles adjusting for the fact that they could have a load shift or they experience a load shift?
1: Yeah, you know the the technology of AGV AMR is has just blown way past what we had even five years ago, companies like sick and sensor companies like that are designing sensors that not only do things like load cells. So where we're, we're looking for weight to shift from fork to fork. So we used to do that. So we would have at the earliest days, we had um, load plates on the vehicle. So flaps. So if the load would shift, we could actually see it, but it would have to lose contact by that point. We're in real trouble. We could stop, but it was, pretty much too late. Um, Sensor technology has come so far now that we can actually look at um, the pallet to make sure or the load, whatever it might be, to make sure that it's actually on the vehicle and doesn't lose um, contact with the forks uh, or shift far enough where it's going to be a problem. So almost the concept, the ASRS concept to make sure before you pick it, that it's stable and then move it. I think we've all seen those videos on YouTube of crazy things happening in warehouses. Um, you know, most of the time, it's just like we said, workers who are zoning out. Sometimes it's pallets that that are badly stacked or packed, um, but AGVs do exactly the same thing every single time. And the sensor technology is driving it so that now um, the vehicles actually drive to look for the pallet and then drive to the pallet opening versus the old school um, x and y coordinate scheme, where we were going to some fixed space and hoping that something was there. Um, <laughs> since your technology has come, I mean, it, it, it's it's amazing what they, what there is today, and it's advancing every single day. It really is. Has the uh, chip
2: shortage that's going on right now affected uh, your business? or your industry?
1: Um, no, not not directly at this point. I think that's probably a little further down the supply mm-hmm. chain than, than we are right here today. Um, so no, we haven't felt it just yet, but the COVID um, lockdowns initially had some issues and there was a bit of a slowdown in, in the automation industry just because there was a slowdown in manufacturing. However, it nearly immediately came back because of what we like to call the Amazon effect. And I know that I've been buying a ton of stuff. I wish I'd put all this money in the bank, but unfortunately I've, you know, sometimes you get bored and buy stuff. Right. And I mean, so I bought a lot of stuff from Amazon or, you know, walmart.com you, you name it. And the market for most AGV AMR company has actually been up this past year. I think that capital purchases dropped, but they started to come back pretty quickly. And I think that because of the pent up demand, we see this every probably 10 to 12 years where the market just really dies. And then it comes screaming back. And luckily, luckily for us, there are a few things that are really affecting that. And most of it is because of that Amazon effect and because of some of the, um, I don't think you'd call them restrictions, but the um, uh, restrictions placed on over-the-road drivers, you know, making sure that they're only driving a certain amount of number of hours per day. And that's led to warehouses and distribution centers popping up all over the place, all across the United States, probably all over the world. And when those things pop up due to that labor demand issue that we talked about earlier, It's leading to automation, which is obviously good for all of us in the automated industry. We had a customer, when I say we, the global we, um, a couple of years back, that was a a parcel company, one of the big three. And when we talked to them, their driver for the system was the fact that they couldn't find labor. They were here in North Carolina. And um, then secondarily, they couldn't keep it. Um, forklift drivers were going down the street for a nickel, dime or a quarter. And frankly, who can blame them? I mean, I, I would, I mean, if you got to feed your family, you got to feed your family, but there's, there's an impact to those sorts of things as well. And, and I think that we're providing at least some benefit there. Uh, to
2: slightly change uh, the drift of the conversation, uh, you talked about the Amazon effect. Uh, And I I presume that you're talking about that uh, manufacturers and warehousing operations are buying into uh, automated uh, equipment and automation and so on. Uh, Is that pretty much widespread that you're finding with your clients or prospective clients that they are, hey, we got to do this. We don't have people, but the birth rate in this country is slowing down. More people are dying. More people are retiring. Um, So do you have much of a sell job or is this something that uh, you're beating them off with a
1: stick? Um, So I started 25 years ago and 25 years ago, this was I had to I had to convince people that this wasn't, first of all, black magic. And then it was all ROI, and then the U.S. is a difficult sell because it's an 18- to 24-month ROI. That's rough, um, which pretty much put us back to that Fortune 500, Fortune 100. But then when you start to talk about what's happening today, no, it's it, things have changed dramatically. The one thing, however, that is uh, different is that most of these larger companies have um, – set aside millions, sometimes tens of millions of dollars for innovation groups. And we can see because of what you just talked about, lots of small little AMR and AGV companies popping up and they're really living on proof of concepts and demos that are being propped up by these larger companies, which is great. I mean, it fosters more um, companies to into the industry. Um, but no, the, the, it, it really is lucky for, for me, um, especially coming from years back, we're, we're welcomed in, which is very nice. Um, you know, it's still capital intensive. However, there are some financial models that have popped up. Like, for instance, five years ago, we couldn't lease this equipment without um, not being able to lease the soft cost. So typically in an AGV concept, when you put a proposal in front of somebody, there's a hard cost. The cost of the equipment and the soft cost is engineering, installation, and integration. So people time. And, you know, that's a pretty big number uh, when you're talking about a fairly large system. So to ask someone to sign up for that level, for all intents and purposes, down payment, and then start the lease afterwards, that was kind of painful. But there are all kinds of leasing companies today that specialize in automation and AGBs and AMRs that will lease the entire package, um, most of which is still a dollar buyout, which looks like a financing package, um, but you still do some traditional lease packages. And you also see companies doing robotics as a service. So in other words, you don't really buy much of anything. You just rent vehicles per month. Now, granted, those are still the small AMR bot, the form factors that we talked about earlier, mostly because they're really inexpensive to build. So it's easy for them to cash 50 to 100 robots in a building somewhere. Because really, the especially in distribution, the difficult part is planning for a system that'll hit the peak of the peak. So if you think of, uh, I don't know, a, a large retailer, their peak is right before Christmas. And off-season, they might need 30% of the number of workers that they need at peak. So to design a system to hit peak a peak makes no sense whatsoever. So the RAS model makes a lot of sense because they can tool up and then scale back. The unfortunate thing is it's difficult for the larger AGVs because they're a much more capital-intensive piece of equipment to build. So it's, it's once the manufacturers figure out how to stock this equipment, then, then the RAS model will also work, I think, for larger systems. And we're seeing some um fleet management companies that are doing that for us today which is nice but no it's 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 really it it's been good for this industry it really has that that you know (laughs) that we're aging out i mean look at me i'm getting old we're aging out right so it's happening
2: just because you have white hair and a white beard means nothing in terms of age (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, sometimes I still feel like an odd 16-year-old, but, you know, in the morning, sometimes I still feel like I'm, you know, in my 50s, I reckon.
2: <laughs> From the little aches and pains,
1: huh? Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> John, John, you mentioned that the, the industry, in terms of automation, is in about 1%, if I'm quoting you right or if I heard correctly. Is there that? Big a gap between manual operation and automated operation
1: seems vast. It's huge. Well, you know, and that's the number 1% is one that I'm, I'm pulling from several years back when we were working with a, a major forklift company. And um, their CEO sat in the office with us and said that my goal is just to get somewhere just near 1%. And we would all be rich. And of course, our eyes lit up. Yay. Um, <laughs> but there, it's difficult, right? And the difficulty is the traditional concept or model um, that the, the old school AGV companies employed, which, which I'm certainly a part of, or was a part of, was one where you built a very specific vehicle for a very specific application. And I've done projects from... Newspapers, which is a very specific vehicle to, um, oh God, uh, metalwork, those sorts of things, dyes, presses, all the way up to just simple pallet handling. And so the paradigm was building a single vehicle for each individual one was just super tough and it didn't allow it to scale well. You, You can imagine if you're building something just for newspaper, imagine that, I mean, Back when I started, newspapers was a big opportunity for AGVs. I challenge you to find newspapers plants anymore. They're all commercial print plants. Um, so it, it was difficult to scale. That's changing, and it's changing because companies like Ballio, for instance, to give us a little plug there, um, utilize OEM vehicles. So what we've done is started to put controls on... Um, an OEM vehicle. So we, we work with Heister Yale Group and we work with Linda to automate their equipment, which means that the adoption's an awful lot easier and for all intent purposes, it starts to become a Swiss Army night and not a scalpel, if that makes any sense. So it, it will proliferate, um, especially so when the costs come down. I mean, it, it's always been an ROI buy and still is. I still run into a purchasing agent, you know, who's going to talk money. Um, but at, at the beginning now, it's more about can you do what we need you to do, which for all intent, even all the tech that we talked about today, all the things that we can do, all the exciting stuff, really, at the end of the day, is just moving a pallet from point A to B. And I would imagine Lou would say, I don't really care how it gets there as long as it doesn't cost me a lot of money and it gets there. So you know we we still have to have an eye on the fact that it's super high tech, but at the end of the day, it just has to move a pallet around, and that's that's really where we want to go. And we want, I think, that my personal goal in all of this is to be able to take this technology, make it inexpensive enough, easy enough to install, so that we can ship it a lot like a TV. Consider your last TV purchase: you plugged it in, you turned it on, a screen popped up, and said, "Do these things." And their TV started to work, right? I think that we're all going to be an awful lot better off when automation is not the purview of Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies, when mom and pop can expand and they don't have to worry about um, the, the challenges with labor in a small town. And they can start to compete with larger companies on a larger scale because they can start to roll some of this out as well. And I think that, you know, that's important to me. So if there's a warm fuzzy, I think that's where I'd like to go with this to make sure that that it's just not a Fortune 500, Fortune 100, you know, Ferrari, Lamborghini concept. And, you know, mom and pop can afford to implement some of this. And it's happening.
2: Well, considering that 85 percent of the companies in the United States are small business, you you certainly have a big enough market to attack. Uh, I think you're right. So I I've been pondering what Balio means. I'm assuming there's a meaning behind
1: it. You know, if if I knew it, I would gladly tell you. I should make <laughs> something up very quickly, but uh, you know, <laughs> I don't I don't know the I don't know the beginnings of the of the name Balio with the company. I'm sorry. Sure.
2: Okay, sorry I hit you with a question that's going nowhere.
0: Oh, that's okay. But having said that, why don't you give us the website address so people can go and find out about Balio?
1: I'd be happy to do that. Sure. People can find us on the web at, at com. B-A-L-Y-O.com. Um, that will of course, give you the links to all of our locations. So we're, we're all across the globe, uh, headquartered in France, but we've got locations in Germany, and China, Far East, as well as here in the United States, balio.us here in the States, but balio.com will get you there. Um, you'll be able to look at what we do. I think one of the great things that I found about Balio, um, due to our association with those uh, forklift companies, it used to be our, our primary sales channel, um, is that there's a lot of tools. One of the things that I found years ago was when we start to remove the Magic behind what we do and start give people the tools to at least start to understand it. They feel a lot more comfortable talking to me about it. So Balio's got a really rich um, uh, education portion on their website so people can go and kind of understand what we do and how we do it. In a nutshell, it's just moving something from point A to point B, but there are all kinds of questions that get asked uh, almost always about safety. And I can assure you that this equipment is safer than a person. Um, the sensor technology and the way that it's designed—we all adhere to ANSI B56.5 here in the U.S. and that standard almost guarantees that if if the equipment's operated within you know specification, it's it's as safe as anything in the entire world.
0: Well. We appreciate it. Lou, did you have a question or a comment? you want to slide? I I was
2: just wondering, and and I've asked this question, I've never really gotten a definitive answer in regards to uh, the safety aspects of a lot of these automation uh, uh, gizmos. Uh, And that is, is there a a benefit uh, for a company in regards to their insurance uh, properties, the insurance insurance policies where uh, they get a benefit or reduced reduced premiums as a result of uh, safety factors
1: So the answer to that is it it does reduce um, the cost of insurances. Now how much I'm not entirely sure I have a, a cohort in the industry his name is Brian Kiger, wonderful guy. And he's done a fair amount of of research on this topic, and and his comment is that it does, in fact, reduce um, insurance costs, especially things that do with workers' comp. But I don't think that's – I think that is uh, a secondary step because there are a fair number of workers' comp claims against forklift operations. So, in other words – You drive all day long on a fork truck and they bang you up and down because there's no suspension on those vehicles. They weigh upwards of 10,000 pounds. There's a lot of claims. And the reduction in claims thereby um, lowers your rates. So I I know that there is, but I I don't know the exact numbers. By that point, you know, we spend a lot of time up front with the safety guys and answer all kinds of questions. The great thing is, they're always the same question. So they become easier to, to answer over time. Um, but there is definitely a reduction in, in insurance and costs because of that. Mostly, I think, um, just those workers' comps things, but I'm sure there must be more as well. But I'm sorry, I can't exactly give you it's that answer good, either.
2: It's a good sales point to be able to bring up to sure. a customer and say, and by the
0: way,
1: Right.
2: Yada, yada, yada. Right.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and of course... Uh, John, you're helping the industry save lives because oddly enough, as much as they make those safe, there are lives lost in warehouses every year from, you know, forklift accidents, load shifts, all kinds of stuff. So uh, we appreciate what you're doing. And by the way, I like your thought that it should be targeted to the smaller operations and not always targeted to the big behemoths, I think that's an intelligent way for America to go. Uh, you know, the big behemoths can always afford it, the titans of industry. But as Lou said, 85% of business is small business. And when you can make it affordable to them, now you're impacting America in a positive way. So I, I hope you achieve your goal on that one. Thank you very much. And
2: we and appreciate
0: I, having you. Thank
2: you for joining us. And, thank you, and you for having me. I would recommend also, uh, John, that uh, as the technology advances and you come up with uh, new gizmos, smaller gizmos, whatever, or or new uh, aspects, um, let us know. We'd love to have you back. I will certainly do
1: that. I certainly appreciate your time, gentlemen. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a wonderful conversation. I feel right at home, which is... um, a credit yeah, it, to you folks. It, it it really is. You know, these these sorts of things when you feel comfortable and it just feels like some guys talking. That's uh that's a credit to you guys. Thank you so much.
2: And thank you for the comment. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, we we really do because that has been one of our goals since Lou and I initiated this. It's supposed to feel like a living room or <laughs> kitchen table conversation. So thank you. You're I would welcome. prefer it at a bar, but you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Okay. Thanks again, John. And uh, that open
0: invitation uh, is standing. So, Tim. Thanks again. And we've been speaking with John Hayes, who's director of sales for Ballio. And you can find them at B-A-L-Y-O.com on the web. Check them out for AGV and AMR vehicles for your warehouse. Pretty cool stuff. Love the way this industry is going. And while you're surfing the web, stop over to JacketMediaCo.com, where you'll find links to all of the podcasts, including this one, Manufacturing Talk Radio. And we are also on C-Suite TV, C-Suite Radio, and all of your podcast listening platforms in our audio version. Again, thanks for being with us, and we'll be back again with you soon.